Welcome to Time Travelling Team, the weekly podcast where we review every story of Doctor Who right from the very beginning. I'm Trisha. And I'm Paddy. In today's Rambling in the TARDIS, we take a look back at Zoe Harriet's time in the TARDIS. We will be talking about her strengths and her weaknesses and picking out her best and worst episodes. We'd also love to hear what you thought of Zoe. So to join the discussion, you can check us out at Time Team, that's T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P, on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, or you can email us at timetravellingteam at teamproductions.com. So, Paddington. Yes. Zoe, 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 Zoe. So for anyone, (laughs) (laughs) for anyone who's new to the rambling format of this podcast, whenever a character leaves, and we're particularly looking at like more main characters, so uh, Sarah Kingdom and Brest didn't get a looking. No. Um, (laughs) When a character leaves, we justice for Brest. Yes. We tend to do a special rambling, and in the rambling, we will look back at that character in particular. As Paddy mentioned, we talk about their strengths and their weaknesses, and we discuss their best and worst episodes, in our opinion. Sometimes me and Paddy agree, sometimes we really don't. (laughs) We're usually fairly consistent, though, I think. Sometimes we have... What was it? Was it for Polly, or was it for Ben? That we had like yeah see there was a huge like i think one of our biggest differences to date and i remember paul talking about this on the half measures podcast is that we have varying degrees of appreciation for the faceless ones mm. and thereby it, they fall into two different categories when it comes to best and worst episodes for set characters um yeah but those those ones kind of interesting because like I think with possibly the exception of an unearthly child, that was probably our biggest difference of opinion in relation to how a story scored. In terms of score, yeah, I think yeah. so. So therefore, obviously, well, not obviously, because sometimes we think really good companion performances in shite <laughs> episodes. So, um, Looking at you, Planet of Giants. <laughs> I, I was going at Gunfighters. No, we like no because like, to be fair to uh, Planet of the Giants, the first two episodes are great, and then they fucking nosedive because of the weird edit they did of episodes three and four. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's I just don't to... like remembering the gunfighters. Yeah, <laughs> it should be purged from memories. It's like, wow, that was a really good performance in a really shite story. It's like, was it though? <laughs> Was it though? He, he he was the he was the best thing in that story. <laughs> yeah, but does that make it good? <laughs> no, no, it does not. But anyway, uh, that that is of the past, and we are now in the present as such. <laughs> and you'll be hearing this in the future. Ooh. Yes, ooh. So yeah, so one of the things that we, when we at the beginning we tended to do strengths first, yeah, and then do weaknesses, and we realized that we were sort of ending on a downer. <laughs> like every time <laughs> so we've changed it up so we do weaknesses first then strengths and then worst episodes or worst not even worst episodes because the episodes themselves may be very very good uh, but worst outing for the characters and yeah. then the best outing for the character we usually have between two and three for those um and we will get into a point where me and paddy try to decide what does three two one actually mean <laughs> yeah um, which, especially when it comes to the worst performances is like yeah. number three the worst or is it the best of the worst yeah <laughs> cool so we'll start off with her weaknesses and I think we changed that format because it just sounded like we were picking on Stephen yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I did yeah, yeah I did. because we were <laughs> Yeah, okay. yeah okay. My, my thoughts on Stephen are very well known. Can't, can't deny that. Actually, I was going through. Um, so, for the ramblings, what I do is for the, uh, the description, I put in the last line of dialogue that that doctor or the current doctor says about that companion's departure. Uh, we've had some great lines, like, you know, oh, I shall miss them, you know, the silly old fuss pots in relation to Ian and Barbara. We've had, like, um, the. Goodbye, uh, Polly. Uh, you can look after Ben, and Ben, you can become an admiral. And then there was Stevens, which was goodbye, Stephen, and good luck. And I was like, <laughs> oh, "We, I need to emphasize that's the doctor saying that, not us." <laughs> yeah. 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 
So for this one, I had to kind of chop and change this, which you'll see on the, um, the description. So, um, but anyway, moving on. <laughs> yeah, let's get into the actual, yeah, yeah. the actual discussion. Cool. So We've already been rambling for five minutes on absolutely nothing. It's a rambling. <laughs> so Zoe's weaknesses. What, did, what are your thoughts on her weaknesses? I think Zoe has one main weakness. Now, is a weakness that she does begin to overcome, though it mm-hmm. is still present in certain forms, even mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Zoe's people skills. Mm. Zoe's people skills, particularly at the beginning of her run, leave a lot to be desired. Um, this is a character thing that is very well established. It's actually a weakness that I like. Mm. Zoe sometimes, like with Steven, we had all these weaknesses for Steven, but they had no rhyme or reason to them. Yeah. Do you know, and even like some of the other characters, they had weaknesses that didn't really make sense, or they had weaknesses that only cropped up every once in a while. It's kind of weird. With Zoe, though, her weakness at the beginning, which does continue to some respects throughout, though it does get better at certain points, that's her character arc. (laughs) It's kind of based around that weakness, and that's her people skills. Mm -hmm. At the beginning, like she will describe it herself. She was essentially an automaton. She didn't really care about people's feelings. That wasn't her function. Her function was to provide information. It wasn't to be considerate or caring to other people, be it, you know, supporting them or whatever. She was capable of doing it, but she wasn't entirely comfortable with it. And that's something that, like, I think that she did grow and evolve and become better at that over time. And we discussed that last week. As something we both regretted for the way her story ended, because yeah. a lot of that got stripped away again, which is unfortunate. Um, but you know, the certain aspects that give her her people skill issues were still there at the end. She does still get very high and mighty, mm. particularly with Jamie. <laughs> Do you know? But I think I think Zoe's weakness, and I don't know if you have other weaknesses listed for her, but I think that weakness. Is a is a good weakness to have in a TV show because it's a weakness that she's we see her starting to overcome or at least we see it lessening over time and that is her character arc is yeah. overcoming that weakness. Yeah, because it's the nature of the way that she was like educated and like it allows her or like it causes her at, at times to be unknowingly condescending, hmm. but then there are other times where she's knowingly condescending. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and it's like. Yeah, they they haven't quite gotten it all out of you yet, have they? Um, the other thing is a weakness is that there are times where she comes across as I'm just after kicking something there, so sorry. Um, there are times where she comes across as very naive, mm. and like obviously, there's the example of like her not knowing how to use a candle. I wouldn't call that naivety, though. I would call that fucking dumb. <sighs> but, but I don't. Well, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, okay. So there's. Like, what is it? Incredibly book smart, but when it comes to this common sense, not a shred of it going. <laughs> um, no, but like, like, there are just like other times where oh, I'm trying. Like, no, I think I probably mixed up the whole thing of being dumb and naive because I'm trying to find other times where she was naive. Well, I, I can't think of specifics, but I think broadly, like, she is the type of character was like, well, we just do this. And then it's done. Like, why can't we just fix the thing? And yeah. then it's fixed and whatever. And it's, I think it's her lack of people skills doesn't allow her to... To realise that To realise that there's a bigger ramification or there's a bigger yeah. impact. But So yeah, but, I, I get where you're coming from with yeah. the naivety part. I think the candle thing was just dumb. It was bad writing. Um, but I get where the naivety, though, comes from. And like, I think that that sort of a thing is, it's common, you know, as you said, like, it's a good arc to have in sci-fi. It's where, like, a character is taken from a learning institution as such, and they're exposed to the bigger and better world, and they have to learn how to cope outside of it. Mm. I think the other thing with her naivety as well, I think another way of looking at that, and another way of, like, getting examples for that is... um. And we'll discuss this, I think, you know, when we're talking about her strengths and when we're talking about her, her her outings and stuff, but the way she questions the doctor hmm. of you don't know what you're doing, how did you know that would work? It's that analytical naivety of you must 
know for certain that something's going to work before you yeah. do it. And in a real life scenario and in the life and death situations that they're in, expecting to be able to work out all of that before you perform the action. Yeah. I think that's where her naivety really comes to the fore. Hmm. She's not in a lab or in a library anymore. And sometimes, even though you know she's right and the doctor has on occasion been wrong in what he's done, hmm. he was right to take the chance. Yeah. Because the situation required it. I think, you know, had you been reliant on Zoe in those instances, you possibly would have blown up before she solved it because <laughs> yeah. she was determined to get it right. But actually, one thing I just thought there, and I think maybe we should have thought about it at other stages, is that the more confident or the more she grows as a character and the more like she calls out the doctor on his like Hail Mary science, mm. it's actually more often than not, more often than not, she's completely right. Yeah. And of course, like the first couple of times, like, no, you kind of say, look, it's in these scenarios, no, you gotta you gotta go with your gut type thing. But then as it goes on, it's like, no, no, this is my gut and my gut and my head are both telling me that you're gonna fuck this up. Yeah. And the thing is that like I think in those situations and I don't know about you, but I have one of these particular examples in my um episode discussions in a second. Hmm. Uh in the space pirates. Oh, is this the it's the a key 50, example the key 50, example of, you know Magnetic. Did propulsion? he get the polarity right? Yeah. Do you know? And you know, she's right. He got it wrong. Mm. They went spiraling off into space. But you kind of have to ask yourself, was he still right to make the choice? Was there any way for him to validate that he'd gotten the polarity right? I don't think there would be in that scenario. It was either do it or don't. Yeah. And so... You know, there's no experimentation in that situation. They're floating through fucking space. So while, yes, she was right, I think in some of those instances, if it was Zoe making the call, I think it would have still been a bad choice to not do the thing because yeah. it would have taken her so long to figure out which one was correct. They could have been destroyed already. That's like a sort of like a damned if you don't partially damned if you do scenario yeah and i think i think that's where her sort of lack of street smarts comes from is mm. you know when do you have to make the hell mary play mm. do you know my gut is telling me that this could be wrong but i'm going to have to ignore my gut and just do it because we have to do something um and i think you know her in terms of like her people skills and her ability to speak up for herself and her ability to speak back to the doctor i don't think that's a bad thing mm. um and i don't think um i don't think her still having that little bit of naivety is a bad thing either because that's just who zoe is she's an analytical person she's not a she's not really a gut instinct type person yeah and that's fine I think maybe like it's one of those things of what could have been if if they had kept traveling for another while, she could have become that gut instinct person. But or she might not have like she might have yeah. stayed with like do you know what, you know. She may have gotten better at it. Mm. Yeah, like, because she yeah, will just, always be an analytical mind. I think yeah, just thinking there, I suppose like if, if you kind of I made the comparison before to about Spock because mm. you know the Vulcan Science Academy and how they operate, like. He never loses it, regardless of all his experiences on the Enterprise. He never loses that analytical hmm. side of things, you know. I think the good comparison to make for that sort of would she go with her gut or not is actually so we have the space pirates where she was freaking the fuck out that it could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is also fear. Yeah. To be honest, if we compare that to the invasion, hmm. where if you imagine like that scene where she went with the brig and they're at that military base, and they have an attack pattern that they're going to use. And there's a limited time where they can use that attack pattern for it to be effective. And her analytical brain has said, there is a better option. And even though they're like, we only have a minute, that's all the time I need. I think that is her going with her gut. It's just she only does it when she is 100% certain. If she's not 100%, I think she would flippy floppy 
until she's figured it out. Um, so I think it has to do with is naivety and analytical thinking impacted by confidence mm. as those three things sort of playing together, as it were. Cool. I like I like I like how that sounds. So shall we segue into her strengths, which I think we were kind of leaning towards <laughs> some of the strengths and weaknesses there, which we always do. Yeah, well, we don't always do it. We do it for the most part. <laughs> yeah. So what did you think were Zoe's strengths? Well, I suppose I'll go with the easy one first of all. We'll go with the family feud option. Uh, her supreme intelligence, um, which has been shown like multiple times and like through various different events, like. Obviously, there's the whole thing of tra- um, should be calculating out the, the missile firing pattern to stop the Cybermen ships in Invasion. That's a, a gimme. But I one of my favorite ones is where she maps out, without any sort of um, kind of pencil or anything like that, where she maps out the intersect tunnel in the Dominators. Mm-hmm. So do you remember when they're trying to drill down and she's trying to like map out where Jamie should start digging and how high he should start digging up to basically catch the nuke before it falls into the core. I actually really like that scene. I like it in principle. I don't yeah. like it in execution because it was just a fucking straight line. In yeah. principle, though, I like what they were trying to say she was doing. Yeah. I don't like the way they showed it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. But, but it was like, I think the fact that they had the periscope as well, it was kind of, you know, they're over there. Yeah, uh, they're looking at it. Dig in the direction I'm looking. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And like we kind of talked about her calling out the doctor on his like you know hail mary science bullshit at times, you know. Mm. I think she would have had a heart attack if she saw him throwing all the chemicals at the uh, the foam. <laughs> but which one is it, doctor? Yeah, which one actually worked? It, which one did it? Um. So the other two kind of major strengths that she has, like, well, one is like her caring, compassionate nature, like mm. and. Um, the way like she looks after the Doctor of the Space Pirates are and like, she kinda of, like, to Jamie to get back when he tries to crowd on the two of them. But the other one then is just like the fact that even in her very first adventure, she shows great determination and bravery because she refused to be intimidated by the dominators and she refuses to break under their their labour. Mm. You know, to the extent of like, you know, she's the last one standing type thing. Yeah, I would agree. So like the two that I had was A her mind, I mean you can't, I mean, it is the definition of Zoe, right? Her big sexy mind. <laughs> She's like the proto Hermione Granger, I've said at some points. Yeah. Or the proto Wesley Crusher, depending on your preferred franchise. Um, her mind is amazing because yeah. one of the things I, I like about it is so you mentioned the Dominators, and I said, well, I, don't, I didn't like the execution of that. I, I liked what they were going for yeah. with it, do you know? Um, another one is actually. It happens in the mind robber and it happens in the space pirates. It's the stuff that she's passively gathering. Joe, mm. you know, in the mind robber, she's like, yeah, you know, we did this, this, this. So the, the next turn should be right. Or whatever. So she's mapped it out and she's taking note of the sequence almost subconsciously, do you know, or in the space pirates, it was, Oh, like, but we don't know where we started from. She's like, yeah, I do. Like, we went from here to here and we moved this far and we started there and we'd gone for that long. So obviously A to B to C back to B. Like it's funny. She does so much of that passively. Mm. Um, I do like the fact that we had several instances where it got called out specifically. So the invasion again, I think it's a great call out. I think uh, the war games and you know, the fact that it lent so heavily on her eidetic memory was fantastic. I think that kind of stuff was great. Her other one that I have, and you've kind of touched on it, is her inner strength and her ability to keep pushing on. Yeah. One of the things that I really liked about Zoe is that she could have very easily been a one-trick pony. Mm. She could have very easily been just intelligent. Yeah. And that was it. But she's not just intelligent. It is her most pronounced feature, but it's not her only one. And you know, you mentioned in The Dominators that she keeps going on do you know um but we see it dotted throughout her stories she's willing to jump in she's willing to get her hands dirty and she doesn't really let anything get her down we rarely ever i'm trying to think of an instance where we see zoe actually give up 
And I'm struggling to think of one. I don't know if there is one. I actually, I don't think, I don't, no, there is one instant. Well, I wouldn't necessarily say it's giving up, but it's um, mine robber, Medusa. Yeah. It's where like, that, that aspect of her fails and she's like, she doesn't have the strength of will to try and see past the illusion. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a bit. I'll, I'll be honest, that's, that's, that's one of my episodes. Just, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but like that is... How do I put it? That is correct in response to what I just said. But like, we never see her physically give up. No. You know? No. Um, that was a rationale thing that I don't like and we'll get to in a second. But like, we never see her throw a strop we never see her break down in the same way that we've seen some of the other companions um now she still gets upset and she's allowed to do that um she's never dallied with the i've lost the will to live brigade yeah yeah i think if zoe encountered someone going through and i lost the will to live moment she'd probably fucking slap them silly and go what the fuck are you doing yeah um, we have to do this and then we can do this and then we can try this and she's just like we have all these other options so yeah I think for a companion of her age I think they did overall I think they did her strengths and her weaknesses very very well I think they tied them very nicely in with her overarching character development Yeah, I think it was done very well throughout no and like that is the sick I think that's one of the sickening things about her ending is that it's just fucking re- it's rebooted like it's it's a factory reset almost yeah and like you kind of touched on it when we were talking about it before that you know we're going to see future companions that maybe go through something slightly similar and it's heart-wrenching in every case do you know um because it's not that the per- it's not that Zoe didn't do the amazing things that she did of course she did and she had those experiences. It's the fact that she's going away without the lessons she learned from those experiences. And that's the problem. Do you know, like if she returned to the wheel in space, behaving more confident or whatever, with no context as to why, but that, you know, she felt more confident in herself and she found that she had a much more easy way of interacting with people, it probably wouldn't be as bad. But that's not the sense we get. We sense that she goes back onto the wooden space and she's this young computer child again. Yeah. So, like, un- unlike other characters in the future that will have the very same outcome, they'll have their memory wiped or whatever, their lives can potentially, or their lives have a, a better likelihood of still being good. Hmm. Whereas, unfortunately, with Zoe, I think she's destined to become this sort of human computer on a ship yeah and like i kind of made the comparison like back in seeds of death that gia uh who it just seems to live for her job Mm. that's what zoe will potentially become yeah and after everything that she's seen and done it it is kind of heartbreaking yeah it is i think that's i think that's why it bothered me so much and we discussed that last week why the way her story ended is so, it's just so like soul destroying because she grew as a person and she learned lessons and those lessons have been taken away. It's not just the adventure. The adventure part you wouldn't really care about. Yeah. It's the lessons learned on the adventure that's the problem. Now, I asked you a question weeks and weeks and weeks ago mm. that for a lot of people, this is the second Doctor TARDIS team. Mm. Second Doctor Jamie and Zoe. After having gone through her entire run, what are your thoughts on that idea? So we've touched on this a little bit. Mm. We've mentioned a couple of times. I, I would not consider them to be the definitive second team, second Doctor Tyrus team. I think, I think the definitive second Doctor Tyrus team is the Doctor and Jamie mm. on their own, which they never had a story on their own. But that doesn't matter. The team is the Doctor and Jamie. Um, I think if I was to pick the definitive trio or quartet, I think I would actually go with the Doctor, Jamie, and Victoria. 
because that's where a lot of the Doctor and Jamie's development came from. Hmm. Was during their time with Victoria. I was I was honestly I was half expecting you to kind of go with uh, Doctor Jamie Ben and Polly. No, just I, I, I don't I don't think they were defined. I don't think Jamie was defined enough during that time. Hmm. Um, I think Jamie defined himself as a character during the run with Victoria. And I don't know. I mean, I can't remember uh, what I have for next week's uh, best <laughs> episodes for Jamie. I, they could all be episodes with <laughs> yeah. fucking Zoe. I can't remember. Um, but I think if I'm to close my eyes and picture a team of three or more, <laughs> I almost go. I, I almost go to Victoria. There was some stories where you can see the Doctor Jamie and Zoe. Yeah, but usually it's the Doctor and Jamie. And Zoe off somewhere else. I think the reason why I go with Victoria as being more that third character mm-hmm. is because in the stories with Victoria, they're more concerned about Victoria yeah. than they are in the stories with Zoe. Now, that's a good thing in some respects because they trust Zoe mm-hmm. and they know that she can get by by herself. But she doesn't get mentioned as often, so she doesn't feel as part of the group. Mm. If that makes any sense? No, no, I, I see where you're coming from, all right. What would you consider to be the definitive team? See, I'm I'm on the opposite. I know I kind of I'm flipping between uh, the Ben and Polly era mm. and the Zoe era, and it's like because I'm trying to like factor them all in as like a team. Because if you wanted to take the thing about the Doctor and Jamie's progression, they're they're still progressing all the way up until mm. the very end. Whereas if I'm trying to find like just like them together as a as a unit, I I think I would probably fall into the uh, camp of Jamie, the Zoe, and the Doctor, because as we talked about it before. Uh, Polly was very inconsistent during her like later tenure. Uh, in the way that she was handled was just mm. very inconsistent, and like that's why I think again I kind of going back to a, another quartet of people in the the ship. Like you, a lot of people like the the core doc, uh, first doctor grouping is Ian, Barbara, and Susan. Mm. But again, because of the inconsistency of how she's handled. I think I favor Vicky a small bit more, but yeah. I still like that opening era. So I don't know. I think I would probably go with the with the second um, grouping, uh, Zoe, Jamie, and the Doctor. But third I do grouping. third grouping. Sorry, but I do quite enjoy the Ben and Polly time. Mm. I wonder as well how much of the fact that I think I might be wrong. I think Victoria has more missing stories with the Doctor and Jamie than the others do. So, I will take a look into this, and how about as I'm taking a look into this, we start off with the less good episodes of Zoe's Run. Cool. So, the way this works is that we usually have a couple of episodes, usually we max it at three. And the way it works is we go three, two, one. Mm-hmm. One is the worst episode three is the least worst episode mm. so there we go setting straight we'll discuss the numbers again when we get to best episodes right right but three two one going from your least worst to your worst worst now i have two for zoe i also have two okay my two are in the second spot i have the space pirates Mm-hmm. And in the worst story spot, I have the mind robber. I am flipped. I think. Mm. I'm. Flipped. Do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, do you think? no, no, no. I, I am flipped. I in the second worst spot, I have the mind robber, and in the first worst spot, I have space pirates. Okay. Why? Why in that order? All right. And the, the reason I was thinking is because I was trying to t- uh, tally up numbers. I think Victoria probably does have more missing episodes, uh, given the nature of uh, the base under siege season. Yeah, I wonder uh, how much that plays into people more associating with Zoe. Well, yeah, because sorry to again just delay this, but like, a great example I've seen lately is people's new phone appreciation of Enemy of the World since it's been found. Yeah, and like, and it's 
like yeah like as much as you kind of we've often made the point that it's the story that gets us hooked in mm. even though with the missing episodes your appreciation for our story can go up with returned footage yeah, yeah. um Anyway, the word was awesome. Um, so anyway, the mind robber. It's the reason I have mind robber in the second worst position is because yes, there is the Medusa moment. Right? However, we do have the the cheekiness of you know like I thought you said like you know, like or like where she kind of calls him on his bullshit about not being. Uh, being able to put Jamie back together again correctly. Mm. Uh, she also has the thing where she beats the shit out of the carcass. Mm. Um, and I think there was just like some other positive parts of that story that, yes, the, but the Medusa is a kind of a glaring thing in that regards. Mm. But I found that there was, a, there was some good positive moments in it. Whereas with the Space Pirates because of the nature of that story and we like our feelings towards how the cast performed in it other like i don't think there was really a lot of standout moments for zoe other than the you know calling out the doctor on the you know his 50 50 chance and would he fuck it up and the candles thing i think honestly i think the candles thing is worse than the medusa thing okay so i have the same issues but i i, I flipped them Right, okay. so with the Space Pirates, I think the Space Pirates was a dodgy one anyway, where it wasn't the strongest showing for any of them. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I put it in the second position, not in the top position, is that the only negative thing to really say about Zoe in that is the candle thing. And I think the candle thing is just stupid writing for a joke, right? right? It makes no sense whatsoever. And it's a standalone throwaway thing that I think was just put in there for a joke to be like, oh, Zoe doesn't know what a candle is. Okay. Whatever. Like... It can be explained away. It's a very stupid explanation and a very unlikely explanation that we stop using candles in the course of like a hundred years from when the story was set, whatever. But, you know, it's you can explain that away with she grew up in space. The idea of using candles on a spaceship is fucking dangerous, Beverly. Um, you know, the, you can explain that away within universe logic if you try. Mm. On the flip side, with the mind robber, yes, we get to see her kick ass, which is cool. However, the Medusa thing for me is a much bigger issue because it has precedent. It has impact that comes just before it and it has impact that comes after it. So the issue I have with the Medusa part is twofold. One, the doctor is telling you it's not real. And the fact that she doesn't believe him, and the fact that she's still going, but I believe that it's real, sows a bit of mistrust between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And we see that when he believes that the carcass is real, and she's like, no, fucking idiot. No, he isn't. Believe me. And so like, I don't like the mistrust that we see there, even if it's just like a passive mistrust between them. Mm-hmm. But the second reason why I find it the more egregious of the two is she's already faced the unicorn, Mm-hmm. Or the painted horse with a horn on his head. <laughs> and literally, like, five minutes beforehand, she had the thing with the Minotaur. Where yeah. they could hear the Minotaur. The Minotaur was coming towards them. The Minotaur is not real. And so, when you think about it in that context, the candle was a fucking throwaway line. The Medusa thing was a cliffhanger based around Zoe not being able to analyze her way out of something, she has literally just fucking analyzed her way out of twice. And she will analyze her way out of again in the same fucking episode, I think. So, okay. Th- those are all really good points. <laughs> uh, but, okay. But no, but no I actually, I, but like, okay, it raises an interesting thing, okay? So, with the unicorn, 
right? I, I, I honestly think it comes down to one, like my probably crux of this thing for me comes down to one scene with the, uh, that kind of, right, with the unicorn, they can see the unicorn coming. Mm. And like, again, it's this whole, you know, like, let's hold each other's hands and like, you know, it's not real, it's not real. It's like, you know, do you believe in fairies type thing. With the Minotaur, they never see it. They just hear it approaching. And they, what, you know, they can just more or less uh, tell it to fuck off and it's gone. Whereas with the Medusa, because of the legend of, of Medusa, they, they obviously close their eyes. And there's that scene where it's pawing at Zoe's face. And even though the doctor keeps saying, like, it's not real, it's not real, there's the hand on the face, which is or possibly overwriting the more logical side of her brain because the previous two things, one, they didn't see it, and the other one is they could see it, so therefore they could eliminate the threat a small bit easier. Now, this may be an editing thing, mm-hmm. but they did see the Medusa head before it came to life. <laughs> it was just a stone head. Yeah, the legend of Medusa is that he, like, even if you just look at it normally... And this is actually kind of creepy because the clouds and also, above... also, the doctor's eyes were open. We talked about this at the time. It was a very bad edit of that. I think the reason why is that the unicorn was a cliffhanger and the Medusa was a cliffhanger. Uh, I, sorry, but like, I'm just kind of distracted because the clouds above my house are actually taking on the shape of a Medusa. I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fucking bullshitting. It's a big body <laughs> with a snake tail going up and lots of tendrils coming out of a cloud head. Okay, I'm looking down at the screen. Is it is like a Medusa from like God of War Medusa? Yeah, pretty much. Clash of, Clash of, Titan, or Clash of the Titans, Harry Housen movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but... But yeah, but I think it's the fact that they made it a cliffhanger hmm. of something that she already knows that this is the... She was, locked, she was locked in a jar. Do you know? Like, hmm. I mean, come on. Like, it just makes her out to be fucking stupid. Um, and inconsistent throughout the story, whereas I think the candle thing was just a throwaway line. Um, but, you know, we can agree to disagree. That, yeah. That's why we have this conversation. Actually, one other thing there, just kind of curiosity, okay, is, like, at various points, the Doctor nearly falls into the trap of where he beco- would become a fictional character. Mm. If that had been successful, would he then have been subject to the, the fact that the Medusa in in his realm would be real and not an illusionary character? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Gee, the Mind Rover was a really weird story. <laughs> it really was. But but it was like it was good. I I I, I still enjoyed watching it. It was just fucking weird. Yeah. Someone was high as balls when they. Oh, were absolutely, absolutely. So how about we move Shkidal on to the best around? Okay, so, <laughs> so the way the best episodes work is I have three. You mm. have three. Three. So we go three, two, one of mm. three being the bronze least medal. best. <laughs> bronze medal participant. Yeah. Bronze, silver, gold. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I'll give you mine. So okay. in my bronze position, I have the crotons. Mm-hmm. In my silver position, I have the seeds of death. Mm-hmm. And in my gold position, I have the war games. And I want to do an honorary mention for the invasion because the invasion was on this list for a long time. And I took it off in favor of the Crotons. So in my bronze position, I have the Crotons. <laughs> in my silver medal, I have the War Games. <laughs> and in my gold, I have the Seeds of Death. I was... In... See, Invasion and the Dominators... They have a very strange scenario where the sense of, for some of it, she's amazing. Mm. But for others, other parts of it, she's either like annoying or dumb. Okay. How do you see her being annoying or dumb in the invasion? Uh, so in, in, she's kind of dumb in the sense of, um, all right, when herself and Isabel and Jamie decide to go into the tunnels to investigate despite and it's purely because of the fact that they're pissed off of what the brig said and like for someone that has had encountered the um, the cybermen before to know that they're kind of on the loose 
I don't think that's a very smart move. Mm. But at, in the second half, it's it's a, it's a thing of few halves. It's the same. It's it, and the situation is reversed with Jamie. First part, Jamie's amazing. Second part, he gets shot in the ass and is fucking kind of left out of it for the latter part of it. Whereas at the start, Zoe is kind of gets the hump of small bit, but then second half, she's amazing. Yeah, I think the reason why I had it so high on the list originally and why it was battling with the Crotons for me for that fourth, for that third position, um, and for a while it would have been in the top two and then Seeds of Death and More games came along and I was like, so yeah. blast out of the water. <laughs> um, the reason why I consider it so highly is, yeah, there's a bad choice to go into the sewer. Mm-hmm. I would char- characterize that, though, as an interesting character development moment for Zoe, because it's her supporting a friend, mm-hmm. um, which we've never really seen her do before. Um, and in terms of, like, she didn't do much in the first half of that story, other than get captured or whatever. But she did out logic the fucking computer, which is brilliant, <laughs> which is fantastic. So I think for me, Zoe's positive contributions to that story outweighed her one stupid mistake. Mm. However, I think the three that we've gone with here are higher on that list than the invasion. Yeah. No. I think at the time, the invasion was like, holy shit, this is fucking amazing. And then you got to see the death of more games. You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Put the um, president in the list. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how about we both talk about the Crotons first? Because it's in our bronze medal position. Yeah. For me, I think one of the reasons why I like the Crotons so much is that it is one of the... It's one of the only episodes that gives an external validation of Zoe's intelligence. Hmm. So we were told in the wheel in space that she's basically a computer. Yeah. Fine. She says she's very intelligent. Mm-hmm. The doctor occasionally comments that she's quite intelligent. But here we have an external impartial validation of the fact that Zoe is so fucking intelligent that they think that she can power their ship with her mind mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I love her intelligence in the story. I love the way it's brought in. I love the humor she has with the doctor and the way she's constantly ribbing him going, what the fuck are you doing? The answer's clearly wrong. Um, and I just love the way she's presented because there is no... There's no counter... The closest thing to a counterbalance dumb Zoe gets in that story is when she put the headset on and started playing with the computer in the first place. right? Yeah. And we discussed that when we were discussing the story. And I said, well... The way I read it watching it was that that was what the doctor wanted her to do. Mm-hmm. That was my interpretation of it until he came up and started giving out to her. So I give that a pass because to me that was the plan. Yeah. I don't know about you. Uh, so with the with the Crotons, um, like, you see, the thing is that the some of the writing and some of the editing of that story it, and this is a great prime example of you know good performance, not great story. Um, like because the doctor and person name I cannot remember right now. Head Croton. Head Crot. No head. Gond. Gond. Mm. No, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, go into the tunnel, the underground mm. tunnel, and if the plan had been for Zoe to go on one of the machines. I would have expected a sort of a fucking surreptitious wink as the doctor is about to go down. But because that's not there, it does just look like Zoe is fucking around with the computer. Yeah, I don't think he needs to wink at her, though, because she's very fucking intelligent. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but for the audience, like... (laughs) There's a difference between you and me, Paddy, and what you consider to be subtle and what I consider (laughs) to be subtle. Like a brick to the face. Um... Some things just need to be spelled out for poor old Patty. <laughs> like Peninsular as opposed to fucking Peloponnesian. <laughs> um, but no, like, I, I love the fact that, yeah, she outshines the doctor on the, the machine. That's great. And I think it's a great, it's a great buddy performance for the mm. two of them because we get to see so much of their relationship growing and we get to see 
how much she can get away with kind of fucking ribbing him and he can't say anything back other than kind of trying to hurry her out of the way so that no one can overhear her like say that he fucked up or he made a fool of himself mm-hmm. or he just it was just guesswork so no i i think it was definitely it was a great buddy performance for her and i think it was just a really good zoe for parker mm. so then we have the seed of death and the war games now i did seeds of death in silver and you did seed of death in gold mm-hmm. so why don't i go through seeds of death in the war games i'll tell you what i thought and then we can yeah. see how that compares to you so mm-hmm. The reason why I put See the Death in the top three at all um, is how much we get to see of Zoe's strength and intelligence in the story. Mm-hmm. She has good team-ups with other people. Like I said at the time, like it seemed like she was the leader of that space shuttle crew of the three of them. She was yeah. the one in the leadership position of that crew, which is great to see. And we get to see her intelligence coming to the fore, we get to see her getting stuck in. Again, we get to see her people skills where, you know, she takes the time with, what's his name? Oh, when they're in the ductwork. She uh, takes she takes the moment with him. Fibs. Yeah. She takes the moment with him. She could have easily just ditched him and gone off on her own. But she takes that moment with him. All of which I think is absolutely phenomenal. All right. The War Games has a lot of that same stuff. But for me, the War Games also adds in the extra bit of peril that we don't see in the Seeds of Death. In the sense of, and it go, for me, it goes back to when the Doctor was sentenced to be executed. Mm-hmm. And Zoe is left with Lady Jennifer. Jamie's been taken away. Yeah. The Doctor's going to be executed. And what does Zoe do? She breaks into the office, she finds the keys, she goes down, she gets them out, and she's just 110%. And I think both stories have intelligence and leadership in equal measure. Mm -hmm. For some reason, though, the war games just hit that, hit a couple of those notes harder for me. And we get to see her, you know, intelligence in terms of her eidetic memory coming to the fore. We get to see her, you know, leading Jamie, like literally telling Jamie what to fucking say. Yeah. Um, we get to see how, like, I mean, Lady Jennifer was set aside because Lady Jennifer is a woman. And she was set aside at one point in the story to heal the wounded. Zoe wasn't. She didn't let herself be. And when someone tried to set her aside, she just brought out Jamie to be her little puppet. Well, she continued to do what she was doing by having Jamie say the words that she wanted to say. And I like that. Because it showed how far Zoe had come, Do you know, and so that's why I did them in that order. Hmm. How about you? So, like, you see, this is the thing. Though I was, I again, there's an awful lot of the same points that were hidden there hmm. in terms of like in both episodes, she's super intelligent. Both episodes, she takes the lead. Uh, both episodes, she takes, um, she. Takes, uh, goes into like a very dangerous personal situation. Um, both of them, like, she's incredibly compassionate to the various people around her. Mm. See, it's it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to explain, but I think what I think it's because Zoe is more in the lead throughout the entirety of the seeds mm. than war games. See, like in war games, there's like you know, it's a again, it's a fantastic performance, and but because all three guys are like you know, the Doctor Jamie and Zoe, they're all firing on all cylinders, as we said, like there's not a scrap of fat on that ten part story, mm. which is amazing. But with seeds, I commented on the fact that like you know, like Jamie's a small bit in the background of that story, yeah, but Zoe, because of that Zoe is like at the forefront a small bit more. So it does seem like that she's actually the leader of this particular adventure. Mm. And I think for that, it just stands out a small bit more than the War Games performance. I can uh, see that. Yeah. So, and like, again, it's like, on, honestly, I think when it comes to Zoe, War Games and Seeds of Death, 
it's the alien aliens Terminator One, Terminator Two argument. You know, a lot of people yeah. have both fantastic movies, both two different genres. Which is the better one? It's like you can't really fucking make an accurate decision because like, your mind will you know, change every so often. Yeah, I think I think it sort of depends on what you're going for in the story as well. Do you know? Um, I think the War Games has more emotion in it, yeah. which I like seeing from Zoe. Um, but Seeds has more of the Zoe in command in her own right, mm-hmm. rather than having to pop a Jamie to do whatever she wants. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be kind of like a what is your mood and what is your preference i am much more of a interpersonal type person when i watch shows it's you know if a show has a good relationship i will latch on to that 110 percent or a good emotional character i'll latch on to that 110 percent so i think for me the war games it's because it's her last story like but the war games (laughs) it shows where she went from with those weaknesses we discussed at the beginning yeah which makes the ending all the more crushing. <laughs> yeah. And even like even speaking of the ending, like the fact that she just perseveres the whole time, along with Jamie, do you know, yeah. it's all like, hello, let's let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the shit? Let's escape. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I think I think overall I think those three stories are very good. Like I said, for me, I would probably Swapping around in the four and five spot, I actually probably have the dominators and the invasion swapping around there in the four or five spot. I don't know about you. Yeah, like that's the thing is like it's. I think the crotons is like the solid tree. Yeah, it's in the solid tree position. Whereas seeds and war games uh, up top, they're going to be battling for gold medal. Mm-hmm. I think dominators and invasion again depend on your mood, which is the yeah. slightly less good one. Yeah. But as always, people, that is our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts. So, uh, as always, you can reach out to us at the socials uh, that Trish mentioned at the start of the episode. <laughs> did you forget what they were? <laughs> no, I did not, Miss Smarty Pants. <laughs> it's at Time Team on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> Sorry, you just had this look on your face as if you were like, what the fuck are they called? <laughs> Um, but yes, so that is the end of our time with Zoe. It has been a roller coaster. It has. <laughs> Next week, we will be discussing the pride of the Highlands, Jamie. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.